Welcome back to Recorded Conversations. I'm your host, Danielle Kingstrom, and you're now joining the podcast that is dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic and connected conversations. I hope you enjoy today's show. While I was working on editing this episode, I noticed that I could hear the crickets chirping in the background. And for a real brief moment, I wanted to edit them out, but I paused because I kind of liked the music they provided in the background. What I appreciate about the crickets more was that I really do enjoy just sitting in peace and not searching for the silence, but searching for the crickets. My husband taught me to appreciate listening to the crickets. My husband taught me to appreciate looking at the stars at night and having that be a form of awe-inspiring entertainment. I've learned a lot from my husband, and we reflect upon the things that we've learned from each other and the things that we struggle to accept one another for in this episode. We talk about vulnerability and why it's so hard and what hides underneath that fear of vulnerability. We also get a little naked and strip down to the truth on whether or not we allow each other access to our personal devices and our passwords and our passcodes. And this was based on a question that I posed on one of my social media accounts just to just to see where everybody else stood on the issue. I remember that it was an issue that Corey and I struggled with in the beginning of our relationship. And so While we were reflecting on things we wanted to discuss for this week's episode, that question came to mind. But what we mostly focus on is vulnerability and why vulnerability is so hard. We live in a society that shows us that vulnerability is dangerous, that it can make us more susceptible to viruses, to hacking, to spyware, to harm. And so we try to create an antivirus against the dangers and the risks. And when we do that, we create a shell that's almost impenetrable. We're going to call today's episode, uh, Get Naked, Stripping Down to the Truth. And Corey, my husband, is joining us again. So Corey. It's nice to be back talking with you. Oh, you too. You too. This is the only time we actually get to talk, just so everyone knows. It's only when we record these episodes. Well, other (laughs) than the times we are having horizontal refreshment and we have intermission. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we should not... uh, How many people do you think actually pause in the middle of sex to have conversations? I hope a lot more than what I think. Yeah, that'd be nice to think about, that people stop, are that comfortable with each other, and they don't want to finish their evening yet so they fill it with a little bit of conversation as a form of a foreplay maybe well and ours is like i mean we'll take like a half hour talk maybe sometimes 45 minutes we have epiphanies too i know yeah probably a result of good penetration leads to good thought process something like that maybe Oh, one more thing I would like to mention is our grandson is home. Yeah, I was going to mention that too. Thanks for um, stealing my part. I should have told you I wanted to say that. But yeah, our grandson, who was born three months premature, came home yesterday from the NICU. So 
we are 100% real grandparents now. We've Yay. already taken little naps with them, so that's been really fun. Guess what, Corey? What? I adulted today. Good job. A lot of adulting. Good job. You did say you did like seven loads of laundry. Seven loads of laundry on the line outside. So go me for being eco-pragmatic. Good job, babe. Saving energy. Okay, so one of the questions I posed on my Facebook this week was about um, whether or not people let their partners have access to like their Facebook accounts or password to their phone so that they could pick up their phone whenever they want and look at whatever text messages they're sending, just stuff like that. It seemed like some people were very accusational towards those who didn't share information. Did you get that? Yeah, I saw that a little bit from a few people. Did you interact with any of those commenters? I did. I did. And and basically, so my thought on all of this is we have access to each other's information Mm -hmm. i mean i can log into your facebook or go on your phone and and do see whatever i want to see anytime i want yep it hasn't always been that way though no i mean you were fairly secretive very secretive but yeah which which is weird because i always had very secretive boyfriends before you and i've been an open book yeah, and I've always, like, prided myself on saying I'm an open book. I'll share my story with anyone, but I don't know. It's like my whole character flipped when I started dating you. Before I start, I, before I dated you, and I'm sure ex-boyfriends can attest to this, I was clingy. I cried all the time. I was so sensitive. I was always so hurt. I was always so sad, and I never trusted anyone. And never trusted them. And so I always dug through their phones. And that was, like, just when, like, cell phones were a thing. So you could just send, like, little, like, messages. You know, if you sat... The text messages before with the little numbers. And Mm -hmm. if you got to hold it one, two, three to get to you or whatever. But it was as soon as the phones came out, all the boyfriends were no longer trustworthy. And I know I'm not the only girl who who gets sneaky. I mean, I see things, like, on memes on Facebook now. Where they're like, if your man don't give you access to his phone, then he's cheating on you. And I kind of acted that way, though. And, and in fact, I was cheating on you. Yes. Yeah, and I wasn't very sneaky because we were sharing a phone. Yep. And I didn't delete deleted messages. And so you saw that I was messaging someone else. And I did a horrible job of lying about it, too. Yep. Like, I told the stupidest lie. And I think my sister called me out and she was like, are you lying to him? Because it sounds like you're lying to him. And I was like, what? No. Um, But yeah, there was a time where you you couldn't trust me. And I brought that in from other relationships. I just assumed you couldn't be trusted either. And I don't know. Like I said, I flipped. I didn't become as clingy. I became untrustworthy. But you were clingy. You would still go through my stuff and you would yeah. like super analyze. If I was even friends with another woman, yeah. you like would freak out on me and tell me I couldn't be friends with them. Yeah, but then at unfriend the same... them on Facebook. You could not be friends with them on Facebook. I did that. And But at the same point in time, you could justify the male friends you had. Yeah. Yeah. Go figure that one out. And so... And again, I was creeping around. 
Yep, and 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 you would not. You kept secrets from me. I mean, I I didn't keep secrets from you. You could look at my stuff whenever you wanted to. And I always wanted to catch you. It'd be like today's the day I'm gonna find out everything's been a lie. And that was like how it was for like three or four years. And and but and I, I never hid nothing from you. No, you could do it, look whatever. you And there wanted was to. nothing ever going on that was even suspicious. And I'd be like, give me your phone. I'm gonna, you know, like I'm gonna catch him. And he. would You'd just be like, here, I don't know what you're looking for, but have fun. There you go. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But at the same point in time, if I asked you about, if I asked you to show me something, you'd get all offended at me. Yeah. Why don't you trust me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did that a lot. Yeah. I don't do that kind of stuff anymore. No. So getting back to my story. Oh, I meant create double standards. No, you still create double standards. <laughs> no, but getting back to the story, once you opened up, and, and, and I could start seeing everything anytime I wanted to. Sometimes, I'm not going to lie, I would I, I would look and not tell you about it. Yeah. Um, but once we got to that point, then I just, I'm like, okay, I, I have the option to look whenever I want. Yeah. With or without telling you. Yeah. And then it's like the trust came back. Of course, all the other stuff came out to in the open as well and so yeah then there were no secrets too so so i thought i was yeah i was really interested to see some of the responses like someone had said well if you're if you're not giving someone access how can you claim to love them or something and i had a friend message me because he couldn't post his story and so he was responding to that inquiry, you know, do you let your partner have access? And he said there was a time where he had a friend who was being investigated and vetted by the CIA because he was going to join the CIA. Well, he and this person, my friend that messaged me, had been friends, and so he was included in the vetting process. Well, he had to keep this a secret from his wife. And so he, you know, he had to figure out ways to hide this information that was going on. He couldn't talk to her about any of these extended conversations he was having with his friend or all these other phone calls, and he couldn't tell anybody about it. The only reason he could tell someone about it now is because the guy ended up not working for the CIA, but I was like, that is an extenuating circumstance, and that would be really... And he told his wife about it later. You know, this was going on, and I couldn't tell you about it, but here's why. That'd make an amazing cover story, too, if you were cheating. No, not that I'm insinuating he was, but I think that way. Anyway, but, I mean, there are instances where privacy is necessary. Maybe? I don't know. Well, now, okay, so now, I every now and then, I currently still check up on you. But not because I think you are having an affair or anything like that. So what are you checking up on me for? Because sometimes you close down to me. You you don't mm. tell me if yeah. you're in a funk. You don't tell me what's going on. And so sometimes, I'm not going to lie, I will pick up your phone and go through your text messages. One, to make sure you're talking to somebody. Oh, yeah. And two, maybe get a little insight as to what is going on. Yeah. And if there's something that I can do to help you through that without necessarily giving away that I know. Well, why aren't you just reading my mind and knowing that I'm in a funk? Yeah, good luck with that. So you can't read my mind, but you'll read my messages. That's the closest thing to reading. No, your mind. and I get that. Um, I get that. Yeah, I remember you bringing that up the other day too. And I, for a minute, I kind of was like, oh, oh, he does. Oh, okay. 
I just didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, at first it surprised me, but I was like, oh, that's a really clever idea, actually, to see what is going on with this girl today yeah. or this week or this month. Yeah, and so, you know, yeah. I'll, and, and sometimes I don't necessarily need to go through your phone or anything like that. I'll just stalk your Facebook page yeah. from my phone, and I can a lot of times get an idea of what's going on. Yeah, I'm very spontaneous with some of my feelings, and so I want to express them and, like, have some kind of immediate catharsis. So I do do that instead of talking. It's like I'm feeling this right now, and I want to get it out. I need to detox it out of my system, and I go write it out. I used to leave my journals out kind of intentionally for you, too. I didn't know that, but I I did. You looked anyway, because they're, like, right there. But I used to do that intentionally because... I would have a lot to say, and I'd be like, hey, I just want him to get, like, kind of a snapshot into, like, what's going on in this crazy brain of mine for the last couple of days. Like, what I've been thinking. Yep. Yeah. And, and, th- and then there's been times where you've written me letters. Yeah. And I'll read the letters, and I'm like... What the I hell is that about? I have no idea. <laughs> or remember that one time I wrote you a letter, and then I came and woke you up at, like, 4 a.m. or something, and I was like, read it now, and then we're talking. Yeah, that's <laughs> happened more than once, actually. And not necessarily with a letter, but I'll be sleeping, passed out, and we've had an argument that night. And you'll come wake me up at 2 o'clock in the morning because apparently it needed to be resolved then. Yeah, okay, I've thought about it long enough, and you've slept. Now wake up, let's talk. Yes. And I probably have no business talking because I'm tired. Yes. And I've been overthinking it. That hasn't happened in a long time. No, it hasn't. And I don't even... It's been a while since I wrote you a letter. It's been almost a year. Yep, that's true. Yeah. A lot has changed in the last year. I started adulting more. You're still crazy, though. I'm... Well... (laughs) You know, I think crazy is a very nuanced word. (laughs) So... (laughs) Um, But so generally, it looks like people are kind of half and half on this idea of granting access or denying access to the personal devices and the passwords and the passcodes. In my opinion, and here's my kind of summary of this, in my opinion, I think in order to have a trustworthy relationship, it works both ways. One, I have to trust that you're not cheating on me Mm -hmm. or keeping secrets from me, but you have to trust me enough to not check up on you a lot. Yeah. You know, and so I think... I, I think passwords and whatever should be fair game. I think you should leave it open. Not necessarily because of the cheating or trustworthy thing, but just in the event that you do want to know Or what's what going if something on. happens, too, I always think about. Like, my ex, you know, the kid's dad, he used to always, like, he used to lock me out of everything. And I'd be like, but seriously, like, what if something bad happened? And I needed to get access to something. And it just was never considered. It was like, no, you cannot be trusted. But I mean, to be fair, neither one of us could trust each other for anything. But for, I mean, for us, for definitely, I think I have like everything written down or else like logged in so that if you need to get into it. Because I always think about that. What if I get hurt? What if I fall down the stairs and break my leg and 
he needs to pay all the bills and access QuickBooks and Quicken and do payroll and all of that. So whatever. So I have to have everything notated somewhere for you in a secret spot that no one else would be able to find but you. And all the kids, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Or anyone who just walks in our house. But moving on. So then when I was thinking about that question to, to pose on social media just to get a feel for other people, I started thinking about other questions that were asked of me that I thought, hmm, that would be a good question to ask of you as well. So... One of them was, what have you learned from me? That's one I have not been able to put a finger on. I've thought about the other one questions ahead of time, but that one has been, in a lot of ways, I've learned a lot from you. One, confronting issues. Yeah. And and while I don't fully agree with you on how to confront issues with other family members, not just you and I. Oh, you don't like my knockdown, drag out, take you out approach? No, we're, no. We're, we're taking this rug off, and we are cleaning up this pile right now. Yes. And I, no I, one's leaving. I'm, I'm not a fan of that approach. Yeah. But I do eh. see the importance of addressing issues. Yes. Um, so that, I think, would probably be the biggest one. How to be confrontational. No, nah, not necessarily confrontational. Just how to address concerns and... Uh, it sounded better. The way I said it, honestly. I think everybody needs to learn how to be confrontational once in a while. Okay. Whatever I'm just saying. I think a lot of people (laughs) fear confrontation. Don't laugh at me. I am right on this. We need to confront our fears. So you can still do it compassionately. Maybe that's where you lack. Um, I don't really lack. In a whole lot of areas, honey. Well, okay. as long as you're That's convinced. not what I had planned on discussing today. So so what was the other question you were ready for? Or maybe I should... You should answer. What I've learned from you. I'd say that one of the biggest practices I've learned from you is patience. Because just, just be, learning to be patient, you can also become more considerate. And you can become more reflective. Less reactionary. And it, it just all starts with that virtue of patience. Patience is a good thing. It's although it's something I have not always had. I think in early in our relationship, I did not have the patience I do now. No, but you still had far more patience than I did early on. That's so, probably true. But you didn't have patience. No. At all. No, I was like twenty-five, twenty-six. I was the same age. I know. I'm not done. <laughs> I had some other excuses as to why I was the way I was. I was a single mom. I was piggybacking back and forth between different stupid, failing relationships. And I was, you know, already starting to, like, I don't know, break out of my shell. So that was just, like, a really great experiential time for you, if I'm being honest. Because you got to see, like, the worst of me. And then you got to see kind of, like, the potential I had. Because I did start growing a little bit. I always saw potential. Aw, it's so sweet. Well, I didn't see that kind of potential in myself. So there's another thing. But yeah, definitely patience. Noticing your patience and being aware of your patience and and even considering how patient you'll be when I tell you this or when I approach this or when we have to talk about this. Just knowing that kind of there's something I want to reflect in it. So that's like I use it as a reminder like, okay, I'm feeling this way, but I already know he's going to be patient about it. So... I will fly have, off the handle immediately. Not immediately, but I don't need to come charged on top of it. Yes. The patience is definitely something that I think just benefits all of the different angles of our relationship, really. 
So did you remember the other one I wanted to talk about? Yeah, the, the what has been the hardest thing for you to either accept or understand about the other. Huh. That one, I think, so that one for me, I think, has been parenting styles. I think that uh, I'm more of a let the kids fall type of person. Let them fall and I'll help you stand back up and they've got to, you know, learn for themselves. And I'm a more, if I just gave them a couple of extra steps or directions or definitions, then they wouldn't have to worry about falling. I can be a safety net once in a while kind of parent. I I see your point of view on that while I don't always agree with it. Yeah, but I mean, that comes from our parent, our parents, too. I mean, we have a lot of genetic material kind of programmed into us that we, we were the products of our parents' parenting. And so we have that involved in our parenting as well. And, and going back to the parent, or sticking with the parenting thing is, and we had this conversation a few nights ago as well, when, so I work outside of the home during the day. And so... You are around with the kids all the time. They know that they come to you for answers. And then when I get home, sometimes you want to just be left alone. Mm -hmm. But if they ask me about something and I give the wrong answer from what you would have done, you know, that's that's been hard to accept, I think. That you're always wrong? I'm just kidding. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's just been... It's hard... From my parenting standpoint, because I'm not around during the day. Yeah. And you have your routine and rules, and sometimes you're more lenient on those rules, and sometimes you aren't. And I don't know which it is that day. And I also do not apply the same rules to all the kids. Exactly. And you try to. You try and be, like, equal to everyone. Or, well, if I did, if I expected this of this kid, I'm going to expect this of this kid. And I don't do that. I have so many different rules for every kid. Yes. And I that drives the kids crazy. Yep. They hate it. They kind you never did that one for him or me. And, oh, how come you never did that to her? And, oh, why does he always get to do that? And I'm like, different relationship, different kid. They literally all have a different mom. I'm five different moms. But it's not, it's not, I'm five different roles. It's, I have five different relationships. And maybe that's where we differ is my, since I'm not here during the day, my relationships aren't as different. And so I can apply the same rules to the kids. If that works for you, I'm not judging that. I'm just saying that's just how I am. I It works better for me because when I was a controlling parent, when I was the parent that wanted to contain everything and, and keep strict parameters, it just didn't work to be equal to everyone because everything was a different circumstance. It's not like they all experienced the same things. And so it was like, well, you you are comparing apples to oranges here. It was different for this kid in this situation and this kid in a completely different situation. So, And, I, and I'm not saying that way the way you do it is wrong. I, I mean, know you, it's not wrong. I do it right. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's just how it operates best for me. If you can have, I don't even know how to phrase this. I'm not trying to condescend it. But if you can have a more general kind of relationship with all of them, that's fine too. I mean, because I don't think all people operate with either of our methods. I'm sure there's a lot more methods to maintaining relationships than just the ones that we do. I don't know. I just think it gives them a bigger experience of how to relate to people. 
Yeah. And so that works too. So the hardest thing for me to accept or understand about you has been how you can um, just let shit go. How you can interact with like your dad and your brother. When your mom calls, just pick it up like, what's up? Hey, mom. Considering that we just don't really have close relationships with them at all. And that you can compartmentalize it in the way that you do. And I know you come home and vent about things sometimes, but at the same time, I wouldn't be able to work with my mom and my sisters. I just, hell no, no, I'm not, no, I wouldn't be able to, not at this point, just because I'm not ready for a restructuring of a relationship with them yet. But you do that with so many things. I can have a stupid friend, old friend, post something on social media that I know directly attacks me. And I'm I'm festering over it for days. I'm writing articles about it. And directing my post at projecting my response towards these people as a way to go, no, you've got me wrong. And you're over here like, I don't have to prove shit to you. I don't really care. So that's very hard for me. You let things go. And I'm over here like, I can't let it go until I like fix it or justify it or correct it. And... You're like, I'm not going to give it my headspace. And yet, at the same time, I show the same grace and understanding and letting it go with you. Yeah, I know. And so, obviously, that benefits me. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but it drives you crazy at the same time. Yeah, it's that thing that we discussed before, too, and how you're so willing to help other people. And I hate it, but I love it because you do that for me. And the kids. Exactly. How many and times did I have to go pick Lillian up this last winter because she got stuck oh in the snowdrifts? Oh my gosh, drifts? because yes, for whatever reason, she could not figure out how to drive in the snow this year. Okay, and so then, I've had a lot of conversations with a lot of people who just kind of need someone to vent to about their marriage or their relationship. And, you know, I kind of pass myself off as this kind of pseudo-sexpert and I'll give you non-expert, opinionated, anecdotal, not real advice, advice on your relationships because I'm doing this book thing anyway. Might as well, right? So people kind of reach out to me and they, like I said earlier, like, well, why don't you read my mind? You should just know things. We don't, and I think this falls in line with the problems we have with being vulnerable with one another. We can't tell each other what we want. And so last week I was doing a Marco Polo with a friend. You know, that's the, uh, it's a cool version of Snapchat is what it is. And, uh, you know, I was venting to her and I was like, I don't have this space. And what do I do if I need this space? And then I'm like, you know, here's the funny thing. When I need space, all I have to do is tell him I need space. And he'll be like, go book a hotel room for a weekend and get away and go right. And I'll go, wait, what? You're, you're going to let me go? And then I get mad. Like, yo, we, we can't afford that and that's stupid. And I'm not going to pay for that. And like the whole house will fall apart without me. And no, just forget it. It'll just be more trouble than it's worth. And I was telling this to a friend and I was like, you know, but the thing is sometimes I just, all I need is the permission to go. I say things like I'm trapped, I'm shackled, I'm I'm stuck and in, in barricaded in, in my domestic domain and I can't get away. But I know as soon as I start complaining about it or if I'm like very direct and I'm like, I need to get out, you're like, okay, go. Or even if I whine, you're like, okay, well, go get a hotel room, go away or go sit up at the coffee shop with your laptop or what do you want to do? Go, you need to get out of the house then. And it's like, as soon as you say that, I'm like, oh, 
I almost kind of feel better. Like you gave me permission to go. So for whatever reason, couples are scared to ask for permission or the space. And and maybe they know that's all they'll need is like the permission, right? Do you know where I'm going here? I'm listening. Okay. What is it about being that direct? And I have to ask that of myself. Why do I get to a point where I'm scared to tell you? I feel like I'm falling apart and I just want to get away. Honestly, that's been one of my biggest frustrations with you. I always want to help out. Even if I've had an extremely long day, I am more than willing to help you out and do what you need me to do. The problem is I don't know what that is. Yeah. And sometimes if I try to take the initiative, I think that almost frustrates you more. Yeah. Like you're stepping into my space, crossing my boundaries and yeah. the hierarchy of the house. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I don't, I mean, I understand. I, and this is the way I look at it. this house. Th- this is your domain. Yeah. Th- this is your responsibility. This is yours. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. And so Me too. sometimes when I, I don't want to step in because I don't want to mess up whatever thing you got going. Mm-hmm. But if you need me to step in, all you got to do is ask. Yeah. And then to go one step further is if you want to just wash your hands of adulting when I get home, that's fine. But don't get mad at me if I do it differently than you would have done it. You, you have to let me make those decisions because you gave me that responsibility. And now I'm going to do things my way. And we both know our brains don't think alike. Right. And so, yeah, that's our that's our biggest problem that we kind of really focused in on and paying attention to in the couple, last couple of weeks was this. Because you work outside the home and when you're done doing all your farming, you come in and I'm like, I don't want to adult anymore or I want to just go right. And I'm, I just, I don't want to do any parenting or I don't want to think. That means like, I don't want to do dinner, go take care of the laundry on the line. I don't know who needs to bathe, but bathe them. I don't want to be mom. I want to be writer or something like that. But a lot of times I just kind of like throw it all on you and you're not prepared and you're like, uh, I could have got a heads up. That would have been cool. And then it's like, I also toss all my anger at you too. And so you got, you're like, you walk in and I just like fill up your hands full of all this junk. And then I'm like, now leave me alone. But the kids didn't get the memo, first of all. And so they're always going to come back to me and mom, 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 because I am the authoritative figure most of the day. So I grant the permission. But also that is, yeah, I have a tendency to, then you're like, well, I'm going to make waffles for dinner. And I'm like, what? No. And you're over here like, you said you didn't want to think. What are you doing? Can I do this? And yeah, I criticize you and I nitpick at some of the things that you do. And it's like, wait, I just said I didn't want to be the adult right now. So. Well, and not only that, but you may or may not have pulled anything out out of the freezer. So we don't have any protein thought out. Yeah. You know, and it's 530. I got to have dinner ready in, say, the next hour. Yeah. And so what what am I supposed to do, you know? And And so we need to better. So we started preparing like for like we were going through a shift change. Yes. Like this transition, like, hey, I did this and I got this done. And here's where we're at with the snack schedule. And here's what's going on. I'm going to go right. Let me know if you need anything and then have faith in you that you'll figure it all out and then (laughs) not bite your head off if you come in my office and ask me a question. Working on it. Yeah. (laughs) So I I think the the 
bottom line is you just have to communicate. Yeah. And I think I, we've beaten this dead horse I don't know how many times. but Yeah, but I don't think it matters because some people are so scared to talk to each other. I mean, we still are at yeah, times. Yeah, we are. I would hope we're getting better. I but... think we're getting better. I, a lot of times it's not that I'm fearing talking to you. It's I'm processing how to talk to you so it doesn't turn into... A misinterpreted, misrepresented, miscommunicated, chaotic and night. And so that I can just say to you what's on my mind. Be impeccable with your word. I think I think it's important we think about things. And I know it's funny that I say that because when you're like, I'm going to go outside, I'm like, get back in here. We're finishing this. And I deny you your space to process. But I think that's really important. We have to think about things because everything is so insta-reactionary. That after we've spent all day insta-reacting to everybody else outside the home, we come home to our partners and we're just as short and snappy and argumentative and combative as we are with the people we don't, like, you know, want to have sex with. So what's that all about? I don't know. It's the society we've we've created. It's yeah. the social media. And, you know, social media is a blessing and it's a curse. Yeah. Sitting behind a keyboard, you get to hide your identity. You get to, you, you know... You can have whatever identity you want. Exactly. You can just throw out these horrible statements to people and and walk away and i think and and it's harder to do in person i think yeah but with someone you're comfortable with like your significant other i i think we've we've allowed that to happen it can be very problematic that's so true i i've noticed just in the last few months i've tried to be less aggressive i mean i love to argue I, I'll always love to argue. I have an inner debate debater inside of me. I'm never going to shed that. That's just my personality, and I love it. But I try my damnedest to make it about whatever ideas we're talking about and to attack it intellectually instead of so lowly and superficially. And people prefer superficiality more than they do a little bit of sensitiveness and vulnerability. Yeah. And so we take that back into our relationships. What ends up happening is, <laughs> how do you block your spouse that you live with? I mean, yeah. what it, happens? Divorce. <laughs> yeah. Well, 51%. Divorce rate? Yeah, it's pretty high. I, You know, and that goes back to you and I, for us, allowing the other to have space to process. Yeah. To get that anger calmed down just a little to bit. To clean up our anger. Yes. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with being angry. But we have to ultimately realize, and I mean, I noticed, I've noticed this so much more, is when I'm, my reaction is anger. I have to go, what are you scared of? You know, what What am I scared of? There's something I'm fearing or there's something that I'm fearing I'm going to lack or I'm feeling a lack. And I just have to sit with it. And if you can register, why do I fear this? And what about this action makes me fear it? And then a lot of times I'm like, hmm, what is this trigger from my past? I know that seems like a lot of psychobabble, but we need to sit back and analyze our thoughts in a lot of instances. I mean, we're supposed to be analyzing our responses, even on Facebook, really. It's such a great opportunity for us to, like, critically examine ideas that we we hold as true and say, wait, but are they? I don't know why we deny the space for that. That's really, that's a truer vulnerability that we could interject into our relationships as well. That's all I think about that. Well, and the one thing, I mean, if, as far as social media is concerned... We have the opportunity to to take a pause 
we can type something out and we don't have to hit enter. And for whatever reason, we've gotten to the point where we type it out and hit enter and we're like, oh crap, did I just say that? Or was that all I wanted to say? And, you know, I mean, it's hard sometimes when you're in a heated discussion with someone in person. Sometimes the words just come out and you you can't take those back. But I I would hope that within relationships, you learn to take the pause before you say something that, that you can't undo. Yeah. We need to practice the pause. Words need time to make love in your head. That's what thoughts are supposed to do. True. We need to do that, yeah, with our interactions online, with people at work. I mean, some people are getting nasty just at restaurants and grocery stores. And it's funny, whenever I go to the grocery store, you just walk past enough people, you hear people just muttering shit under their breath. I mean, people are just filled with angst right now. One of the things, you know, going back to what you said, the biggest thing for you to accept about me me being able to just let go yeah is i ask myself does it really matter does me getting angry over this it does it, it doesn't matter a lot of times yeah i'm this interaction i just had with this person whether it be my brother my dad or whomever once i walk away from that conversation it's done it's over so why let that person consume me that much? And that's, you know, I've heard you talk about, you know, people, cutting people out of your life. Yeah. And one of the things that I look at, if you have to cut someone out of your life, my question to you would be, why does that person affect you so much? Why do you allow that person to affect you so much? If you are so woke that you claim to be, how can one individual with one interaction bring you down? Yeah, that's an yeah, that's an interesting um, point. It's true. But see, at the same time, I think that's why I struggle with your ability. It's because I haven't mastered that ability. And so I do give people headspace. And I, and I mean, I write about letting go of things, obviously, but I'm still, I still admit that I'm carrying around a lot, too. I get why it's hard to let go of some things and why you do need to cut people out of your life because there's a part of yourself that they're reflecting that you just cannot handle. That's what it is for me with some people. It's just I see a part of me reflected in them that I'm just not ready to accept. So that's something I haven't accepted about myself. And so for whatever reason, they act as that mirror and they reflect that one particular piece of my characteristic that I am maybe haven't learned to forgive myself for having and utilizing, I don't know. There's still a lot for me to understand about that. But I would argue that we need to include the people that we originally think are negative because if we go, I've been wrestling with the idea that everything is a gift. But if everything is a gift, all of the negativity is a gift. And it's not necessarily a gift for that moment. It could be a gift to prepare you for something that's going to happen later. And here's something I've thought about. Who, who says that gift is about you? Exactly. Who's, maybe the gift is for the other person. Maybe you can show positivity to that other person to make them be not so negative. You know, um, one other thing I would like to mention is that when somebody frustrates me or I have a, an interaction with somebody and I'm not happy about it, I do give it space in my head. Yeah. That's when I come back to you and I vent about it. Oh, yeah. You know, it, it's not that I'm just brushing it off. Yeah. And, and so here's another question to go along with that. What's the difference between letting things go 
and sweeping them under the rug. And I struggle with this one. I think sweeping it under the rug more looks like, as your cover story, you're so over it. Like, I'm over it. I'm already over it. It doesn't even bother me. But you're denying the feelings that it's really creating for you inside. You're just trying to present this facade. You're like, you want everyone to think you're over it, but you're really not over it. But you're definitely not going to bring it back up. Because if you bring it back up, then people will think that you're not over it. And so you're over it. But I think it, that's, it's an internal feeling. I think that's where you recognize the difference. Because if it's eating you up inside, if it's constantly triggering things from the past, or if being around certain people trigger those same feelings over and over again, you're suppressing something that's real about you that you should work on that you're not, that you're denying. And that's one of the, been one of the frustrations. I know when when I've talked to my mom or somebody, you can you keep asking me why do I keep sweeping it under the rug? Yeah. And, and I don't think that I am. Yeah. And based on what you just said, I don't think you believe I am either. No, I I probably because you've mentally dealt with it all. And you've come to an understanding and maybe just an, I don't want to, I don't know if I like the word acceptance, but it is an acceptance. You just accepted them for who they are. And everything that's happened, you've just accepted. It doesn't mean that, I don't, it's like that whole everything is a gift thing. You accept it. You receive it. You don't deny it. You don't reject it. It just. And it, it doesn't eat away at me. Yeah. And so maybe it's just I haven't dealt with certain things, like specifically in regard to your mom. And maybe it's just my ego jealous that you've dealt with it and I haven't. You know what I mean? I mean, that's the way I look at it. Like, yeah, because there are instances where I'm irked. Like, I'm physically irked. You talk to your mom. Oh, you're going to have lunch with your mom. Maybe it's just because I'm not mentally prepared to come to that level of acceptance that you are. And I'm not going to lie, it's that reaction that sometimes keeps me from telling you that I did talk to them. Yeah. Because... But then when I was digging in your phone a couple weeks ago, I discovered you were talking to her. See, that's where... uh, I don't know why I was digging in your phone in the first place, but I was. And then I saw the text from your mom, and a missed call or something, and I was like, what's going on here? You're having having a relationship with your mother? (laughs) And then that actually started a fight. It did. Which I was trying to avoid. Yes. But it is what it is. But I think through that, I mean, what was it? Three or four nights ago or three or four afternoons ago, you had some serious revelations. And I think you may not have gotten there had we not gone through that process. That's, I think, how you can look back and see that everything is a gift. Things that happen in the moment aren't necessarily a present gift. Does that make sense? Yes. I mean, sometimes maybe they can be. Maybe they are present gifts in the moment. But other times, it's like, I don't know, a, a delayed gift. It's not, no, it, maybe it is a gift. You just don't realize it's a gift. Maybe, maybe it's kind of like kenosis. You don't realize <laughs> that... It's kenosis until you look back. In hindsight, you realize a way to describe what it looks like or what it feels like. And so I would think that's what receiving the gift looks like. It's only in hindsight, and you put it all together, only so that you can understand what that suffering was about. So here's a a good example when you cheated on me. 
at the time, I did not think it was a gift. <laughs> no. Today, I think it was. Yes. Um, for a lot of different reasons, but yeah. Um, yes, today I would believe it was. Our marriage has come a long way since then. We've both matured. We've both grown. I think our marriage is better now than it's ever been, and I think it continues to get better. And so I think that, yes, like I said, at the time it was not a gift, but today it is. Yeah, it grew into a gift. I think it was always a gift. I just didn't know it was a gift. You weren't ready to accept it as a gift. Maybe. That's what I said. Maybe. I think that's what I said. (laughs) So we uh, we haven't solved any big world issues in this episode. We never solve world issues in our episodes. We don't. Quick question. And I just want to marinate on this, and we can come back to it later. So there's all this stuff going around right now, and I think I notice it every cycle now that I think about it. This whole this whole idea that if Jesus were alive today, he would be a Democrat or a Republican. Do you think Jesus would mess with any of this political BS? I think he would laugh about it. I do too. Honestly. Uh, I think... That Jesus is bigger than politics. Mm-hmm. I think that Jesus would not care which party you belong to as long as you love one another. Yeah. I think that Jesus, if anything, would be anti-government. Amen. Because there is only one God. Yeah. Uh, government is not God. And so I I, I think that, that Jesus would just... Jesus. Yeah. And I think in the New Testament, it kind of, he, he kind of hints towards that because, uh, I mean, the, the quote, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. I'm paraphrasing, by the way. But uh, I, I think that was a hint towards government is irrelevant. That's a worldly thing. and Powers and principalities and systems of superiority and control. Yes. Yeah, me too. I agree too. I was just curious. Sometimes I don't know because I see that sometimes you do kind of tend to get involved in politics and you do vote. Yes, I do. Which I am against. He should not vote, but that's just my opinion. But then I wonder if you have that opinion about the way Jesus views it, then why aren't you practicing it like Jesus and not And me too. I mean, I have that question for myself too. Like, why do I get so enthralled in it when we know it's just nothing that Jesus would mess with. One, generally speaking, I vote for candidates who want very limited government. Think I'm a huge fan of the founders of this country, and I think they realized that government was a necessary evil. Mm-hmm. And so they, they framed the Constitution in such a way that you had little government intervention into people's lives. And interference. And interference into people's lives, which, from my point of view, I think that most closely resembles what Jesus wanted. Let's just be good to our neighbor. Yeah. And the government is irrelevant. Let's just keep the government. Oh, let's end it right there. The government is irrelevant. That's a wrap. Here's the part of the show where I let you know how you can connect with me and support me if you're interested in. I can be found on Facebook at Danielle Kingstrom, 
Twitter and Instagram at dkingstrom. And for more of my written work, you can find me as a contributing writer for Patheos Progressive Christian. And I do have a Patreon page. If you're interested in financially supporting my work while also receiving excerpts from my upcoming book, Enfleshed, Making Monogamous Relationships Real, and for additional content, videos, sneak peeks into interviews that I'm working on, and all-around good stuff, seek me out at patreon.com slash Danielle Kingstrom. Thank you for joining. Please make sure you subscribe and share with your friends. Take care.